Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call. Alex will answer the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns? Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, I see you punching your phone. Can we have a minute or two conversation? <laughs> Yes, dear. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to see the full moons? Oh, I did. Man, some of those were just absolutely striking. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And Tracy said there it was called the pink moon. I don't know how these moons get their names. Yeah, I don't know how this one would. I mean, the harvest moon makes sense because it's in the fall. Right. And a blue moon, that doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they call it the pink moon, yeah. but it was gorgeous. It was. Oh my goodness. After so many days and evenings and whatever of just nothing but cloud cover to finally mm-hmm. see, I, I looked out the window and I thought, wow, it was, all, it was staggering. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And then to see it a couple nights in a row, and then sometimes with the streaks of clouds going across it, it was great. It's beautiful. And, our, and the, where the sun sets right now, if we sit in our living room, we can look out and it goes right between... The two houses down the down the street, basically, over across a field, actually. But right now, it's setting right between them. And the other night, it was just bright red. I mean, wow. brilliant. And then later on in the summer, it'll be down the street itself on the other side of the house. <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see it now, and then we'll see it where it'll be later. But you can watch it drop right. right. I was outside last night, watched it set last night. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Great time of year. Good to hear. All right, I got to go back to the phone. Yes, get back and Twitter. punching that phone. Saturday mornings, we get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting you, your landscape, and everything else. Whether you've got uh, trying to grow herbs and you can't find any herbs, no, you can get out there and get some herbs. How about your house plants? Is it time to move them outside? Should you plant what in potting mix and what in potting soil? Forget potting soil and don't do, don't plant anything of that stuff. How to improve your soil so you can get better plant growth? How about uh, pruning? Oh, I haven't pruned my anything, blah, blah, blah. Is it too late to do it? Bugs and diseases, they are erupting. Our screened-in porch. (sighs) Some way we left the door open a little bit when we were bringing some stuff in yesterday from the grocery store, and a bee got in there. 
and try to get a B out of someplace, no, you just kind of give up. But anyway, using information to make good decisions, my thoughts, orchestrations, hopefully will open and solidify your options with a final judgment of action always going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's producing, and consequently, when you call, he answers the phone. He needs your first name and where you're calling from. You don't bother telling him or asking him you know, a question or anything else. Well, I guess you could ask him a question, but uh, not about the garden or your landscape or anything else. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. Today, after the show, I'm headed to Baldwin. And then from Baldwin, I'm headed to Kirkwood and then back home to work around. Boy, oh, boy, this wind the last couple of days has been unbelievable there. It was like 24 hours a day. And uh, living right across the street from Christie Park, I thought they cut the grass the other day. So I thought oh, all the leaves have been chopped up. But nope, you know, there's still some leaves blowing up out of the park. But anyway, my website is MikeMillerDesigns.com. You can go to the homepage. That's where my email address is and my phone number where I can be reached and we can set up a time where I'll come to your home. Well, let's get moving. Good Gardening Stroll today is brought to you in every day, every Saturday at least, by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, couldn't get your picture taken this year with the, the Easter Bunny. You know, in the malls and various places, they had the Easter Bunny there, kind of like Santa Claus, where you could get your picture taken. Couldn't do that this year. So if not, why not head downtown just north or on Market Street, just north of, well, no, on 10th Street, just north of Market, there are two giant white rabbits that are sitting underneath there waiting for you to take your picture. The rabbits are under a trio of blooming dogwoods right now and a pair of oak trees. The gravel pathway, somebody's raked some swirls in that. And it is, I mean, it's really kind of amazing. And as I was standing there just starting to make some notes and everything else, uh, a real rabbit <laughs> hops along. And he was underneath us. There's a slope there with a bunch of birch trees. He was hopping along there. This is City Garden, and City Garden is always great. The red buds were in bloom. An alley of ginkgo trees runs along Market Street on the sidewalk and the street side both. They were leafing out, looking spectacular. A temporary fence protects the cone flowers. So I, don't, I didn't know rabbits really like cone flowers that much. I mean, there's so many perennials and stuff in there. Why they would protect the cone flowers, I don't know necessarily. But maple tree was uh, dropping their spent flowers. Daffodils, yep, they're finished blooming. Oak leaf hydrangeas, sharp contrast to the boxwood hedge. Robins were all over the place. It's just unbelievable. Astilbe's colorful foliage was erupting out, and Siberian iris were shooting upward just like bottle rockets. Unique sculptures offer artistic contrast to the plant material here at City Gardens. And if you look to the east, the arch was really visible as the sky lightens up. Uh, only, th only water feature that was going is there is a cascading waterfall, and uh, you could hear it from a distance, so that really kind of added some nice tempo to the, the entire thing. Uh, uh, still asleep were patches of lawn. No, the lawn was not asleep. It really looked pretty good. And uh, there was a, actually a box there containing a map of City Gardens, so if you're interested in what's going on there, probably it lists all the, you know, who did the sculptures and everything else. Other perennials, there was uh, some of the ornamental grasses too. Northern sea oats, 
There's cat mint. There's goldenrod, asters, and so much more to see. So head down to City Gardens, get your picture taken with the white rabbits, and uh, then all of a sudden robins were hopping all over the place, and it was getting pretty bright. So I thought, well, it's probably time to go. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Murfreesboro, that's where Gene lives. Hi, Gene. Good morning, Mike. What Hi. a great way to start the Saturday morning. Well, great. Thanks for having me on your for the show. First, yeah, for the first time in 50 years, I'm not going to plant a vegetable in the ground. I'm going all containers. Can you give me a little quick tutorial on the top three or four do's and don'ts of container vegetable garden? First of all, make sure your containers are pretty large. So, in other words, even a five-gallon container, that's okay for a few things, but for the most part, you need you know, probably a 24-inch pot that's at least probably uh, 12 to 14 inches deep, if not deeper. Second okay. of all, fill it with potting mix, not potting soil, so you can have, and make sure your pot has uh, drainage holes, too. Okay, and, okay. And then... Basically, don't try to grow the, your vegetables from seed. Buy the plants. You know, go to a, your favorite year-round garden center. The big box stores, sometimes they're great, but they don't take care of their plants. So if they've been sitting there for a while, they may have gone through a wilt cycle, drought, whatever it happens to be. So get some really good, strong plants. And second and third or fourth thing is fertilize routinely. You know, like tomato plants, it's like every two to three weeks you're going to fertilize and use fertilizer specifically for, you know, what you're actually growing. Appreciate it so much, sir. What a... Yeah, my pleasure. It's fun watching them grow. (laughs) It'll be great fun. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, uh, Tracy, my wife, she's not really into plant material, but a couple... We first moved from Soulards to South City, and she said, I want to grow some, you know, some cherry tomatoes and uh, some grape tomatoes or whatever. And she really did a pretty good job. I mean, I was telling her what to do, but uh, they're really pretty easy to grow. The thing is, like with tomatoes, they get so huge, don't put too many in one pot. You can put two or three and then let the ones that's the strongest keep that one and get rid of the other two. So let's go now to St. Charles and see what's going on with Doug. Hi, Doug. Yes, I have a brick patio and I have the grass and plants that come up between the stones. Have you ever heard of using uh, baking, uh, baking, uh, Epsom salt, vinegar, and Blue Dawn uh, detergent mixed together in the proper uh, quantities and spraying those to kill the plants? Well, you can probably just kill them with just you know horticultural vinegar. If you want to, you don't need a blend or anything else. But horticultural vinegar is hard to find and very, very expensive. Well, just use regular, you know, try try just regular white vinegar and just give it a shot on a couple plants and see if it's going to knock them down. I think it will, and if it doesn't, then you can go through this blend. But, you know, probably the blend will work. I don't know exactly. Probably the soap aspect is making it so it sticks to the plants a little bit more. 
But, uh, you know, the, the Epsom salts and vinegar, they're kind of contrary to each other. So I don't know exactly why. I guess they're looking to make sure they're covering every pH range. Okay, thank you. Yep. Yeah, the horticultural vinegar is expensive, but uh, it's, um, I mean, it's developed for that particular thing. Let's head out to Chesterfield and go into John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning. Hi. It's a beautiful day out there right now. Too bad that rain's coming. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I've got two really quick questions that I want to talk about invasive daylight leaves. Quick questions. Is there some sort of grass that looks like crabgrass, but that is already up and growing and green? There's one that's probably called annual bluegrass. I know about that. I made that go away. All right, at least I sprayed for it. So far, it's not coming up, but this is clumping, and it looks you know, really big. Uh, it's not the it's not the wild garlic, is it? No, I don't know. Oh, because wild garlic is really tall right now. I've seen it is like it? six or eight inches. No, it's not that. Okay, so I you know my guess is still it's got to be you know the annual bluegrass. You have to put a pre-emergent down last August. I did to get rid of it. in August. Okay. I did it in August. Yeah. Perfect. So then uh, you know what you know what you're having. I you know it's hard for me to guess. Okay. Um, other quick question. So if, if my white alyssums successfully dropped their seeds last year, when can I expect them to start germinating? Uh, probably pretty soon. I would say by the 1st of May would be, you should see them even before that. I've got some that are already coming up. But I live in the city, and, you know, I've got them in between the sidewalk and street, so that's the soil warms up a little bit more quicker there. So I've got some, you know, like I said, some already germinating. Okay. Now, the big problem is the daylilies, they're escaping their bed. I've got six-inch deep um, uh, edging around it, but now they're starting to grow underneath it. Right. So how much of the root or rhizome do I need to get rid of from what went past the uh, uh, edging? Probably if you just, you know, drive a, you know, a shovel or a spade down, you know, close to it, and uh, you don't want to dig up the whole area and just pull the, you know, pull the foliage up. So in, in other words, kind of treat it like a weed. So just, you know, dig down with a weeder if you have that, and the, the rhizomes are going to keep continuing. So even if you cut straight where the edger is, straight down yeah. with a spade, you're going to cut it, but you're not going to prevent it from, you know, it's going to be on the other side of the edge or where you want them, That's and then it's right. going to still, you know, push you know push more growth out underneath the edger. How deep of additional edging would I need to put to keep the, to keep them from growing underneath? <clears throat> uh, that could be a tough one. I would say, because, I mean, if they're really healthy and vigorous, what they do yeah. is they hit the edging, then they go downward, and then, I mean, probably I would say, Maybe eight to ten inches. Okay, so and that's right. probably only going to make it so you know you've got multiple years where it's not going to happen. But they they can still get around it. Okay, now the clumping it's, it was making big clumps already. I sort of got behind last year. That was on the bottom of my to do to do list. So the area where it's just a whole bunch of them outside of the bed. How much do I need to make sure I'm getting rid of all the roots? Do you, are you opposed to herbicides? I'm, I'm digging them up. Okay. So you're digging them up to give them, you know, get them, get rid of them or give them away or whatever? Yeah. Well, both. <laughs> my neighbors, two of my neighbors were walking by while I was doing it. They both have some nice new plants now. 
So you're asking how deep you have to go? I was going like six to eight inches digging down, and then uh, I took the, the ball of dirt that I got mm-hmm. and put it in a, in a plastic container, and I took it all apart, so I was getting plants out of it. But the dirt that fell off still had little feeder roots, I guess. Right. Is that a problem, letting that thing go back in, or should I get a whole brand-new uh, soil for that area? Um, you could probably just put it back put the existing soil. So shake it off the plants that you're going to give away or throw away or whatever, and just, yeah. you know, shake it back into the hole. Okay. Because they seem to be so prolific. I was worried about getting any kind of a piece of a root in there. Well, I mean, a little bit may, but it's going to be multiple years before, let's, let's say, a root hair actually has enough strength to produce any kind of foliage. Okay. All right, I'll, I still got a little more digging to do. I'll let you know if it works. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got huge biceps already. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. All right, thank you. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, uh, morning, Mike. I've got a question. I've got three uh, blue atlas uh, tree plants there, and they're about six, seven years old, but the deer got in the yard and scraped on them, you know, with their antlers. Right. One of them's pretty much all the way around. The other one's at least half or so, and it's about 15 inches, you know, in length on each side. And I sprayed it with this black uh, stuff where you cut a limb and you can spray that uh, black, like tar stuff or whatever it is on it. Will these things eventually die? from not having that much bark on them? Well, spraying doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's strictly cosmetic. It, way yeah. back when, it used to have a bacteria, antibacterial thing, actually lead in it. And then when they took lead out of all the paint and everything else, they took it out of that as well. So this is strictly cosmetic. Now, the bark is extremely important. The bark is right, basically right below the bark is where the vascular system or the veins are. So that's where translocation of nutrients and moisture up, you know, from the ground, from the root system, up to the needles and everything else. So once the bark is removed, then that whole area, depending upon what percentage of, you know, the distance around the bark is, no longer is able to translocate any nutrients. So, yes, it, you know, it can be really disastrous. Yeah, that one, it's pretty much all the way around. It? Yeah, if it's all the way around or even 75% around, that's not a good sign. If it's halfway, you know, recovery is, you know, a possibility. Anything more than half, then you're just kind of, it's, a, it's really a big roll of the dice. Regardless of what you spray, what you wrap, or anything else around the wound, those veins are already gone. So, yeah. Yeah, well, these are about... Um, one is maybe two inches. The other is like, you know, inch and a half or yeah. four around. They're, you know, they're not super big. But. Right. I'm surprised they'd bother, you know, marking their territory. I know they're rubbing stuff off their, you know, antlers and stuff like that. So it's not always territorial marking. But uh, it seems like they would use something a little bit bigger than a two-inch tree. Well, I guess these are just cheap little deer. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, but they sure worked on it. Yeah, so it's just going to be, you can leave them and see what happens, but uh, any of them that were, the, like I said, the bark's more than halfway off all the way around, yeah, that's not a good sign. So I need to replant. Right. And uh, the other thing is in the pots, 
for my wife planting her flowers. Is it garden soil or what, what's the best soil for that? Use potting mix, not potting soil. Potting mix right. instead of soil. So it's the stuff right. where you got a huge bag and you can lift it up pretty easy. Where potting soil is really dense and heavy, a bag of that stuff is like, Ugh! you strain yeah, yourself yeah. to lift it. So you want to have something that has really good drainage to it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. And then the bottom Please. of the pot, make sure that you put something over the drainage hole so the potting mix doesn't you know run out every time you water. So in other words, okay. like clay pot pieces or a piece of rock or, or whatever it happens to be. You don't want to clog it up, but you want to make sure that the water can pass through without the potting mix. Okay. Well, thank you. My thank pleasure. You All right. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. To Martha's yard we go. Hi, Martha. Hi, hi, Mike. Yes, go ahead. Okay, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Mike, I live in Kirkwood, and I have a, a line of, of dogwood trees, about seven of them, and they're all about four feet apart. And the two at the top closest to my house, one is about 35 years old, and it is starting, their branches are starting to die. The uh, leaves are uh, blooming out, and then they're dying. Right next to it is another dogwood that is probably only three or four years old, and it is dying also. Are they connected? Is it an age problem? What do you think? Um, probably my guess would be dogwoods don't like uh, hell, you know a heck of a lot of moisture. So this year we've had drenching rains. So my thought is just there it penetrated into the ground enough to actually start causing some problems with the root system because of the amount of moisture. And then okay. consequently, the top of the tree generally will start. Usually when, well, let me put it this way. A lot of times when it's a root system circumstance, the trees start dying from the bottom up and the inside out. But that's not always going to be the case. So my thinking is it's related to just the weather that we've had. Okay. Should I put any, is there any kind of a fertilizer or anything that I can put on no, it to make it? No, basically nothing not. like that, huh? No. I mean, you could have... Uh, you know, the tree line people come out and take a look at it, but for the most part, uh, there's not really going to be too much that can be done, especially if a tree of like the one that you said was pretty old. Mm-hmm. But if both of them cl- in close proximity, one really young, one pretty old, consequently yeah. are, you know, declining, that to me says something in the soil, like downspouts yeah. or whatever it happens to be. Okay, but no fungus or anything like that? Not, not, it's going to impact young trees, old trees, no. For the no, most okay. Part. And what is the what is the uh, normal age for a dogwood tree? It just How depends. Long do they last? In a great, uh, you know, in a nice setting and everything else, they can go on and on and on and on for you know forty plus years. Okay. But okay. Uh, usually after that point, especially if they're in close proximity to you know homes and things like that, the soil pH, all those factors, you know, kind of lead to the decline of the age factoring. I see. Thanks, Mike, and have a happy Easter. Yes, you do the very same thing. Now let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Um, I have two questions. The first one is um, I have a 12 by 20 raised bed garden, and I'd like to know how do I know how much compost to till into that soil? Just probably uh, is there existing soil in there already? Yes. Okay. I would say just layer two inches and then mix that in with the existing soil. Okay, thank you. And I have one more question. My house plants, obviously, um, I'm going by what you said and not 
putting them outside until after the 15th. But um, when I do that, like if I put them out, like, I don't know, the, the weekend of the 15th or whatever. Sure. Um, do I have to bring them in at night? Do you put them out? I mean, what's the transition with that? Just make sure when you put them out, you put them in a shaded location. Then, yes, my deck is covered, yes. Yeah, then after that, if you are gonna, if you want to move them in a more sunny location, wait for a couple of weeks before you do that. But it's a slow transition to go from the house you know, to the outside related to the sun more so than anything. Okay, and fertilizing, would that be every two weeks then? Uh, that might be a little bit too often, but you could do it okay. every two weeks if you want to, depending mm-hmm. upon the type you're using. Uh, so it okay. seems a little extreme, but I, once a month should be adequate. Oh, perfect. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, and have a happy Easter. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Bye. And now let's see. Where do we want to go? Let's go to Tina's yard. Hi, Tina. Good morning, Mike. Hi. First of all, happy Easter, and thanks for doing the show. I love it. Well, thank um, you. I wanted to talk to you about my backyard. I get a lot of shade. I have four tall maple trees, and they're about 25 feet, 30 feet from the home, our home backyard, the foundation. I have an azalea back there, and it does fare. And I just don't know what to plant, whether shrub, perennial, or annual, to that'll survive. And I was hoping you could give me some ideas. Uh, that's a tough environment. First of all, because the maple trees have a lot of surface roots. All trees do. All feet. All trees have feeder roots up near the surface, whether it's a maple or an oak or anything else. So it's going to be, you know, and these are well-established trees with a well-established root system. So anything that you put in is going to have a very, very difficult time. So maybe think about uh, getting, I would get smaller, not larger, maybe some Japanese maples, maybe some red twig dogwoods. They can both take, you know, take the shade factors and they can and don't put anything within about, you know, at least 10 feet of the tree trunk. Because that's, you know, even though that's not where the feeder roots are, that's where a lot of the major roots are leading out from the trunk, and it's solid wood underneath there. Oak leaf hydrangea would be something that could you could give it a try. Azaleas and rhododendrons, those, they just don't do well here in yeah, general. I mean, there's some fantastic one that you'll see as you drive through various neighborhoods, but there's been thousands that have not survived as a result of that. So... That's uh, maybe those give those three or four things just to try and see what happens. Okay, thank you very much. Certainly, I mean it, it's it's tough underneath you know trees. I don't, yeah, I don't know what else to put next to the foundation so my house looks presentable. Um, <laughs> well, I mean you could use the traditional ground covers if you want, like the periwinkles and the ivies and stuff along that line. Okay, maybe I'll try that. Okay, and then liriope, liriope monkey grass. If you get the Muscari. Oh, yeah, yeah. liriope, and probably you want to get the one that's called spicata. That's the one that spreads. So okay. liriope spicata. Okay, I will do that. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's see. Where do we want to go? I can't even tell. Oh, let's go over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi there. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, my question is very uh, similar to the lady before me, and I'm looking for a low-growing uh, ground cover for shady areas that is also very wet. Ooh. And I've looked up a couple of them. There's a Canadian ginger. Um, I don't have the list with me right now, but wondered if you had any ideas. It's not going to be something they want to mow or anything. This is actually from my mother's yard. Okay. 
Boy, that's a you know that's a tough one. How wet is wet? Like constantly, mo- there's moisture there always. Yeah, I would say so. It's very shaded. Um, it's wet. It's a low lying uh, area. It's a flat backyard. It's actually in Iowa. They have black dirt up there. Right. Um, so it's pretty good soil, but it's always wet. I would say I, there's nothing that's going to be successful. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, realistically. Including bluegrass. <laughs> we tried the grass. <laughs> we tried the shade mix. Yeah. And um, so, okay. I mean, All right, well. realistically, it's just, that is just extremely tough environment, even if it has adequate soil, constant moisture. I mean, you could try cattails and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> that grow along ponds. But right, uh, right. there's not really going to be too much that can handle that kind of situation. But probably okay. what I would do is go to, you know, the St. Louis Water Garden Society's website and see uh-huh. if you can find or go to, let me change it, go to Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and put in wet soil ground covers and see what they, you know, see what they recommend. Excellent. Thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, that, that's just really, a, you know, a tough spot. And uh, weeds, violets, eh, maybe violets couldn't even handle it. Mike Miller, KMWAX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. This past uh, Wednesday, I was out in St. Charles. I went up the Maryland Heights Expressway, and I went over the river and through the woods. Got off on Upper Bottom Road and then went down towards the river to Green Bottom. I'll tell you, there's some giant fields. It almost looks like France, where they have those big fields of lavender, only this wasn't lavender. These are agricultural fields that aren't obviously planted right now. But uh, there is so much henbit that has the purple flowers this time of year. It's a cool season annual weed. It was kind of spectacular looking to see giant fields of henbit with the purple color. So anyway, crazy stuff out there with all the weeds. Let's head out to Baldwin and go into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Yeah, I moved into a, a relatively new area, and uh, I'm not sure exactly where the where the boundary line or the, or the property line is, but as uh, things are starting to plump out, there's obviously some stuff in there that needs to come out in terms of cleaning it out. And I was in another area here recently, and there was a guy whacking some stuff out, and I asked him what he was doing. He said he was cleaning out the honeysuckle because the state requires it. Is that true? Is there something like that so that if I have that kind of stuff in my area, I can get my neighbor on the other side, the commercial, to clean his area out as well? In other words, there's no point in me cleaning out mine if he doesn't clean out his. Right. No, I don't think there's something. The state's not forcing people to do it. Mainly it's in people that are environmentally conscious. They want to get rid of it. But it is prolific you know, and like you said, you can get rid of yours, but, the, you know, any place close by where there's honeysuckle shrubs, they're going to produce the berries. The bird's going to eat the berries, and they're going to go to the bathroom. And when you get it, you take it out, too, you either have to use an herbicide for killing woody plants and that you cut it off first and then paint the herbicide right onto the, st- you know, the stump about one foot high, and, or, which will go down and kill the root system out, or you got to dig the entire root system. Well, I thought the county or the state did have something because they just came out recently about these uh, Bradford pear trees that are right. all along the highway telling people, you know, that those are evasive and don't, don't do anything with them. Yeah, I mean, they're just saying don't plant them. But okay. the honeysuckle was never planted. It's, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
or I was just hopeful that there was something that the state also had on it so I could use their support, you know, to get, get my neighbor to do the same thing. I guess not. <laughs> no, not that I know of. I mean, if somebody knows that there is a law or a rule or whatever related to honeysuckle, but there are there's so much honeysuckle in this region, if yeah. everybody got rid of it, it would be a mountain, all the debris. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Sorry. Let's see what's going on with Debbie. Hi. Hi. I have a question for my neighbor, and we're on Radio.com, and she can't get it. Wow. <laughs> so I'm calling in. Um, she has a cedar tree, and the trunk is just like losing its bark all the way up and all the way around. And she was wondering what that could possibly be. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming this is an upright juniper slash cedar so is it still green? Does it still look good? Yeah, it's still so, green. It, it looks like a totally healthy tree. So what it is is probably good. the girth of the tree trunk is increasing, and when that happens to any tree, it sloughs off the bark. So in other words, with, let's say, deciduous trees, it causes all those wrinkles in the bark and everything else. So that's all probably what's happening. If everything looks healthy, it's not anything to be worried about. Okay, great. So she should be good to go. Right. Doesn't have to have it taken down. Right. And if there is one thing, there's something called cedar apple rust. You know, I mean, that can cause some problems. But uh, beyond that, uh, she's safe. Okay. And the bark will grow back then? Well, the bark's already, you know, the new bark is underneath the old bark. So it just pushes off the old stuff. So it's already growing. Okay. So it'll eventually kind of look the same. Right now it looks a little different. You can tell that it's yeah, it will, yeah. stuff off. Right. Just okay. tell me. Don't get obsessed with it. You got it. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Certainly. And now let's see. Donald. Hi, Donald. How are you? Doing fine, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, we have a ginkgo tree that's uh, just a few years old. It's probably 10 foot tall. And it's growing in the shape of like an upside down umbrella. There's uh, long branches around the perimeter, but nothing in the middle. Uh, can I, at this time of year, cut those branches back, or what could I do to reshape this thing and maybe fill in a little bit in the middle? Well, basically, the ginkgo trees are already leafed out. I would not be pruning them this time of year because we're, uh, I mean, all the viruses, bacteria, and all those kind of things, funguses, are starting to show up because of humidity and everything else. I would wait and you know let them let it alone for this entire growing season. Next year, when the foliage falls off, then you've got those six months until the new growth begins. You know, in 2021, to do the pruning, prune them when there's no leaves on them. Okay. Now, if I do prune these these uh, branches, will that encourage growth? To, uh, along the branch to fill in in the center part. Well, of the it should. Tree. I mean, it should. You know, I don't. You know, I've never really seen a ginkgo trees are usually pretty straight up. I mean, they're not weepy looking things. So that's kind of a surprise. It's not growing underneath other trees or anything, is it? Uh, there's other trees around it, but it's not directly under, under any of them. No, it's just taking a weird shape. Okay. There's some rogue branches that are just growing out and not. Uh, it's not a very shapely tree. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, too, hopefully it's not a female because female ginkgo trees have fruits that smell like dog poop. <laughs> uh, no, we made sure of that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. Very good. So, yeah, so just, you know, shape it up and, uh, you know, but do it when the foliage has already fallen off. All right.
Yep. And I don't think we can get another call in before we've got to go to break. But uh, this time of year, what you can start to see is the cool season annual weeds will start declining. So, in other words, the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, the shepherd's purse, the Persian speedwell, which is really flat, weedy ground cover that has blue flowers on it. Chickweed has uh, the white flowers. So just realize that those are going to be disappearing because they're cool season. Once it starts getting warm, they whoosh, but during that whole time, and they've been growing since, let's say, August, September, they've been dropping seeds. So that's how they perpetuate themselves. So anyway, just be careful of that. And now the warm season weeds, the spurges, the ragweed, the knotweed, the lamb's quarter, the black murdoch, the crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, all that stuff is going nuts. So just be careful. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We have another hour of the show, so if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, and I'll be giving the Tip of the Trial shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, uh, how's your yard looking? It's getting there. Uh, got a lot of work done the other day. We uh, Beautiful weather last yes. week. And uh, actually, we transplanted several plants from where they were last year in the smaller garden into the expanded garden area. Wow. Uh, getting ready to put down, you know, the 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 covering and the mulch and kind of fill it all in on that part of it. And so we're making, we're making progress. Sounds perfect. Yeah. It's so really after yeah. you go home today outside, hopefully, well, I'll get my nap in Gotta ah, do that, and then uh, hopefully get out rain. and do some before it rains. Yeah. yeah. Going to try to get out there. And then Monday when I'm off, it's supposed to be like 46 and windy <laughs> 48 and blustery. <laughs> so I don't know how much we'll get done Monday, but we'll try, you know, see Speaking what happens. Speaking of wind, how about this past week? Yeah. I mean, there was like 28 hours or 29 hours of nothing but 16, 17 mile an hour winds. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Fortunately, didn't lose. To, usually I use lose a lot of limbs when that happens, but I don't think this time I did, which is good because I just picked them all up last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, But yeah, it's it's been really windy for yeah. sure. I mean, I can remember as a kid where you'd go out and fly a kite and you'd have a great day, but then you'd have to wait a week or 10 days before you could fly again. Now it's windy enough you can almost fly every day of the week. And that's supposed to be March, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's this climate change has everything mixed up. Yeah, really. Yeah. Crazy. Thanks. Yep. Thank you. And folks, if you have any questions or concerns, as I said before, just give a call and Alex will answer the phone, just your name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to hear the question or anything else. Oh, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selections, ups and downs, and all arounds. For the annuals, pansies looking pretty good. How about your bulbs? Oh, I, I've Mainly I have tulips, daffodils from Operation Brightside or Brightside St. Louis, and then grape hyacinths, grape hy- and regular hyacinths. The hyacinths, both of them look really good. The daffodils still look pretty darn good. But, boy, the tulips, that wind really kind of sent them downhill quick. How about herbs and edibles? How about ground covers, houseplants, your lawn? How about perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens? My zoysia grass 
you know, I've been raking it a couple different times to get all the thatch out of there, and it's really starting to green up. So this is a time of year, not quite yet, but when you start thinking about feeding your zoysia if you have a warm season grass. Last application on your cool season grasses, your blue grasses, or your fescues. You don't want to feed those too late in the season because you don't want to force growth on those cool season lawns when it starts getting hot. Please remember, though, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you as an option. As I said before, Alex is producing your name if you call in and where you're calling from. That's all he needs. During the week, I spend time and on weekends now uh, landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, an evaluation, problem solving, whatever it happens to be, you go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, my email address and phone number are listed. Today after the show, I'm headed towards Baldwin and then back towards Kirkwood before I head to home. When I come to your home, I share 40-plus years of experience related to design, plants, care, and maintenance. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individuals, group, or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to everybody, and you know, and probably every neighborhood is happening. But so many people are out walking and enjoying, you know, while they're walking. A lot of people do have their phones or whatever when they're walking, but many people don't. They're just kind of looking around and enjoying that. And then also a tip of the trial goes out to the street sweepers in the city of St. Louis and the people that drive the, I don't want to say trash trucks, trash trucks, yard waste trucks, and all that other stuff. The, I mean... They have a crazy job in the first place, and with all this you know, stuff going on, I'm sure they're under stress just like all of us as a result of it. But, boy, they certainly do a spectacular job. So, again, City of St. Louis, the street sweepers, the refuse pickup guys, women, and uh, the yard waste people. So tip of the trial goes out to them as well as everybody that's outside enjoying a walk. So let's get a couple calls in if we can. Let's go to South City and see what's going on with Bob. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I'm calling. Are you familiar with what they call the surprise lily flowers? Yes. Okay. My wife wants to know, all that greenery that comes up first, these things are getting huge, like 16, 18-inch leaves on them, and they shade out everything else around them. If she would cut the greenery down or just trim it down lower, would that affect the flower from coming up later on? Certainly could. The, the foliage is there. It's building up the flower so you can get the pink flower in August. Okay. That's so, you, I mean, basically if, if it's causing her problems, after they finish flowering in August, you can dig them up and move them to a different location or move the other stuff away from them. Yeah, we've got a bunch it's in her vegetable garden, and two or three years ago, I dug them what I thought was all the bulbs up and moved them, and that bunch is back again, and they're going great guns. <laughs> well, congratulations. A lot of people are envious. But uh, one other thing, the guy that called earlier about the uh, honeysuckle, he should contact the conservation department or go on their website or something I think they had an article in one of their books here a year ago or so about some type of uh, honeysuckle being invasive. Yeah, I, I, 
There I is. don't know for sure, but they'd be able to tell him. And I know one thing, honeysuckle is a mosquito heaven. <laughs> yeah, the shrub honeysuckles actually migrated from New York all the way across the country. It hasn't been able to climb up the mountains, you know, into Colorado and stuff like that. But it is hugely invasive for sure. Uh, years and years and years ago when we moved into our house, the one fence line on one side was completely covered from front to back with honeysuckle. Right. It didn't take me long to start getting it out when we saw the mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. But, I mean, it is super invasive. The birds love the fruits, and when a bird loves fruits, then they have fun with it. So Yeah, but I just thought I'd pass that on to him if he's listening. All right, great. So, yeah, conservation department, but you can go on, you know. I just didn't know if there's, like, the state of Missouri has passed some kind of law that says you got to get rid of them. Because it no, would be so no, much they don't crazy. that I know of, but yeah. uh, you get a lot of information about ev- evasive plant species from them. Sure, exactly. Well, thanks. Thank you. Yep, and now let's go to O'Fallon and in the Sioux yard. Hi, Sue. Hi. My peony bushes have a lot of buds on them, and I see the temp this week might get down to 33 at night. Do I need to cover them at 33, or what temp do I need to start worrying? Uh, if it got down below freezing, probably so. But uh, I think they're they're pretty tough and durable, so they should probably be able to handle it. Okay, thanks. Yep. I mean, I just tell you that, and you can call next week and say, you told me not to do I mean, there's not really too much you can do. You can build a tent over them or something. No, you don't want to do that. So let's see if we can get one more call in before break. Let's go to Hillsboro and see what's going on with Steve. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Hi. My question deals, I also had the question about the freezing weather, but that's been answered. But my second question is, we our lot is uh, 10 acres. Three acres of it is uh, more or less lawn. But here, here in Jefferson County, our soil's not very good. So I wanted to put down compost, so I cored the uh, – uh, all three acres last year, mm-hmm. and went looking for compost. And the, I know they can deliver it, but how do I spread compost over three acres? <laughs> you get, um, you know, it's not exactly real easy to do that for sure. Now, St. Louis Composting does have machines that you can actually ride, basically that will spread the compost. But if you just have it delivered, dumped, then you're going to have to just spread it by hand. Now, can you use a regular fertilizer spreader to do it? Or? Uh, probably not. I think this particle size might be a little bit too big. But you could try it. I mean, a regular fertilizer spreader, you're not. I mean, you, let's say you fill up the fertilizer spreader with compost. You're not gonna. You're gonna go about six feet or seven feet or eight feet or whatever. And then even if you have it fully open, it's not. You're not gonna get that much out of each. You know, time you fill it up. Well, I have one that's 175 pound. Oh. Uh, spreader that I hook on the back of my tractor. Oh, okay. On my, my my big lawn tractor, and I was just wondering if the size, if it would flow through, or if I would I would end up with a great big pile of compost at the front of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I mean, there's no way to tell, to be honest with you. <laughs> All right. Well, but, I appreciate that. Yeah. If you do, I mean, if you get the compost, you know, the field and turf enhancer. Particle size is probably reasonable, but uh, give them a call, check them online, and, you know, go, you know, start from there. All right. Well, thank you. You have a good day. Yes, you do the very same thing. Mike Miller, K, MWAX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, the silver maples, they've already flowered, and now they're already starting to drop their maple squirts. Growing up in Maple Lane in Ellisville, we had nothing but silver maples in our yard, and we had maple squirts all over the place. Thing we call them maple squirts because once you get that thing that falls to the ground, actually the seed, you can actually squeeze it, and the juice will come out. So we used to kind of shoot each other as kids, you know, (laughs) with maple squirt juice. Anyway, what that means, though, beyond that, is the bugs are really starting to get out there. The thrips, the aphids, the mites, the pine saw flies, ten caterpillars, scale, bagworms, beetles, and white flies beyond. So once, I mean, it's already out there and it's already happening. So just be careful and watch out. And I told you about the bee that got into our, you know, our screen porch. But uh, insects are going to be out there and they're going to be doing some damage. Let's go now to Ruby's yard. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a thought for the man who has weeds coming up between his uh, rocks and things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I take preem, and I put that all in my rock garden, and uh, it keeps the rocks, uh, the weeds, from coming up. Now, you have to do it more than one time because, you know, we uh, seeds are always blowing around. Absolutely. But I sweep it into the cracks of my uh, bricks and my sidewalk, and it seems to do a pretty good job. Great. Well, good idea. Yeah. And another thing I would like to ask is, do you have squirrels? Uh, well, there's squirrels in the park right across the street. Yes, there's squirrels climbing the maple trees all over. You know, we've got three around our house. Well, I I have like, I call six resident squirrels. <laughs> and it seems like the last six months, the fur is starting to change to a more cinnamon color. And I was wondering if I have unusual squirrels or if anyone else has noticed that. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't really noticed it. They kind of look, you know, normal, but I'll take a closer look at them. Yeah, sometimes the squirrel, uh, the tails are getting cinnamon-colored, and some one of them, the body is starting to get that way. I don't know if they'll turn completely or if this is just a phenomenon that's happening. Right, due to weather or whatever it happens to be. Right, uh-huh. Well, but I enjoy your show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. If you weren't Thank there, you. I wouldn't be here. Let's go now up to Edwardsville and see what's going on with Pat. Hi, Pat. Uh, hello. I, w- I would like an opinion on what you think this plant could be and how I nurture it. Uh, it came with a house when I bought the house. It was planted. There are three of them, and they were planted on purpose on the west side of the house. They're about 12 inches in diameter, including the sticks, the leaves, the uh, blooms. They are growing close to the rocks, and the rocks are a size of a golf ball. Some are larger. For two fall seasons, they were only sticks and green leaves. And then last fall, there were beautiful dark pink blooms that were growing close to the rocks. Uh, they looked to me like they were similar to azalea blooms and very, very healthy. But now, they're only green leaves and sticks. I don't know what they are. I don't know how to nurture this plant. It's tough to tell from a description. I mean, you did a good right. description. Uh, my guess would be it's probably a type of crepe myrtle. Oh, okay. 
And how do I nurture it in the spring? Just leave it alone. <laughs> it's the best oh. thing you can do. Okay. Some people right. like keep controlling and they don't want it to. Some of them get relatively big and blah, 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 blah. But uh, best thing to do is just most of the time is leave stuff alone. Okay. Now, the previous caller mentioned something that she put in, into the landscaping rocks to uh, control the weeds, and you seem to know what she was talking about, but I don't. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it's a pre-emergent formulated for bed spaces, not for lawns, and it's called okay. Preen, P-R-E-E-N. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's see... Let's go over to Phil's yard. Hi, Phil. Hi, Mike. Uh, Mike, when can I plant my elephant ear bulbs in the ground? Uh, probably you can do it right now if you want to. Because, oh. I mean, the ground's already warm, so they're not going to sprout. Or you don't have to worry about the cold weather or anything else. I was probably going to start planting some of mine in pots uh, maybe tomorrow, but maybe not until next week. I haven't decided. It's just a matter of having time to do it. So you can do Great. it now. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Yep, and about four four or five inches deep should be adequate. Okay. You have a great Easter. Yep, and well-drained soil. Even though they can take wet soils, it's better not to have wet soil. So, Anita, hi, how are you? I am fine. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Oh, I've got a couple questions, and first of all, I want to thank you for your program. Uh, but uh, I was just wondering, how long will grass seeds stay good? I've got some that's two and three years old. Can I still plant that? Expect it to come up? Yeah, you can. And, yeah, you can plant it, but uh, percentage rate as far as germination. A couple years old, each year the percentage rate of germination is going to be reduced. So every seed you throw out there, there's going to be some that just don't germinate. Okay. And also, I've noticed a lot of moss in my yard. Is that a sign that my soil is very acidic? Not and should I put down lime or no, what? No, 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 don't fool with it. Just live with the live with the moss. People that try to battle mosses in lawn or landscapes or things like that, it's a losing battle. It's going to constantly be a problem. You can put, let's say, lime down. That may get rid of it for a period of time, but also may alter, you know, let's say the soil pH enough that it's going to cause problems with, let's say, your lawn or something. And lawn likes an acidic, not alkaline soil. So putting lime down may get rid of the moss temporarily, but it could damage your lawn. Oh, boy. So there's nothing that I can do other than maybe pull it out? Well, you could do that or just live with it. Well, I've got so much I don't want to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put some pink-colored, rose-colored glasses on, and then you won't even see it. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Sure. I mean, I'm trying to be realistic. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for your program. Have a great Easter. Sure. And <laughs> Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Hi, Lori. What's going on? Mike? Yes. Good morning and happy Easter. Same to you. Um, I just have two questions for you. My first one is last year I went down to Florida and at the Henry Ford Museum and brought back a French lavender 
little pot. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like I've been keeping it inside the house. It hasn't ble- I don't know much about French lavender compared to English lavender because I've had English lavender before. And it doesn't seem like it's been like blooming at all. And I didn't know with it being a Florida type of climate, is it better to keep it indoors than outdoors? Uh, probably can go out in the summertime. I mean, our summers are the same thing as, as it is in yeah. Florida. Probably it may be the factor of the age of the plant. It's not going to bloom till it gets to be a certain age, not necessarily a certain okay. you know, size or anything else. Okay. And then my second question is um, hostas. When can, what's the proper way of like digging them up and when should you dig them up and be able to separate them to put them in other areas? Probably I wouldn't do it now. They're just some of, I've got two or three different varieties. One of mine, Big Daddy, it's already coming up. The other two are not even showing any, they haven't even broken the surface yet. But I just leave them alone, let them go this whole entire season. And then in the fall, when the foliage starts going down, you know, and the ground is still warm in September, October, dig them up at that time and do the divisions. Okay, so in fall, not in the spring. Okay, yeah. great. Well, thank you so much. Love your show. And again, like you and Tracy, have a great Easter. Well, thank you. Thank hey. you. Bye-bye. And now let's go to John's yard. Hey, John. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Uh, so... My front lawn is a small lawn, but it's just gotten in such bad shape that I'm going to put in sod and get some nice soil because the soil has a lot of clay over there in Shrewsbury. And so I rented a rototiller and I tried to use it and it was like the ground was laughing at me. It wouldn't even pierce the ground. It was so hard. So I'm trying to soak it with my sprinkler. I know it was just mocking me. So I don't know. How do I kind of till up that and get ready to put sod down. If it's too wet, the tiller's not going to do any good. It's going to create more problems than it's doing good. So you're just going to have to... Okay, so don't get too wet. Yeah. If it's soggy, it's bad news. You're just going to end up with big lumps. You're going to have to go back and forth. And, you know, go across, even if you're not digging up a whole lot, go across north and south and go east and west, north and south, east and west with the rototiller. Okay. And then... Okay. Well, I'll try that then. Yeah, because, I mean... Let's say you, you're having a hard time to, let's say, get it to penetrate the soil. Dig a little trench or something, the same width as the rototiller blades, and drop it down in there so it can get a start in the ground. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. I'll give that a try then. All right. Good luck. <laughs> it's, thanks thanks yeah, very much. Appreciate sure. your show. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's. I mean, rototillers are great, but if your ground is that hard, woo-wee. Good luck, and make sure that you rototill it. Like I say, both both directions, and then add the you know the compost, topsoil mix, or whatever you're going to do. And now let's go over to John Jard. Hi, John. Thank you for taking my call, Mike. Sure. I appreciate it. You you were talking about this earlier, but I, I missed it. My wife told me until I wanted to call. Honeysuckle is the bane of my existence. I have <laughs> uh, uh, along my tree line. I've got some pretty established honeysuckle and. If I cut them down at at at, at the base, because these are like small trees by now, mm-hmm. can I just spray some Roundup directly on the um, directly on there, and will that penetrate down to the roots? Yes, cut it at a forty-five degree angle. Make sure you get Roundup for killing woody plants slash poison ivy. Regular okay. Roundup won't do a darn thing. 
Gotcha. And, and it will go down through the vascular system and kill it, you know, all the way down. It may take a couple applications. Leave the trunk about, uh, you know, two feet or so. Put it on there. Like I said, 45-degree angle just makes more surface to paint the Roundup directly onto it. And then if you start to see any kind of growth at all, cut it down to about a foot and then redo it. I see. Okay, I'll do that. And I have one more question. I have these vines that are growing along the ground, and they're, they're, some of these are very thick. They're almost as thick as a child's wrist. And then they grow up into the trees. Um, any idea? Is it, would that be the same type of thing? Can I cut along, let's say, uh, a section and then... Uh, you know, apply some Roundup right to that, to that, um, to the area where I've cut, where it would get back to the root. Right. Do it, you know, just like I said, a foot or so or two feet off the ground, and probably you have wild grapes. I mean, I, I don't know what these are. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's more. They, it's probably wild grapes. They are just. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're and ferocious, they, uh, and they climb up into the trees, and yep, they become problematic once they start going out over the branches then the the buds of the tree leaves and stuff they they're not getting any light so then it makes the tree dysfunctional yeah that's right that's exactly what's happened yeah so it's wild grapes all right well perfect i appreciate that thank you so much sure and now hi don how are you today hey mike thanks for taking my call sure uh so i live in florida and my, half of my front yard at that fungus that hit us about a couple of years ago. I, I heard you talk about it a couple of times. But anyways, um, basically, uh, how do I get grass to grow back on there? So you don't have anything growing there? I No, I got like a bunch of weeds. And yeah, stuff. basically you're going to have to kill the weeds off first. Then you should probably core aerate it, put some compost down, and then if you're going to put seed down, maybe put the seed put the seed down right before you put the compost down. If you're going to get sod, then you know just you know you're going to have to kill everything off. If you do it before you kill it off, you're just going to recreate the whole weed scenario. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's not going to be a fun job, and. you know, give a lawn doctor a call. They can come out. I think, I'm pretty sure they go to Florence and have them take a look at it. Now, you know, it's going to cost you money, but you can get it done right and, you know, stop, let's say, spinning wheels. Ken lives in Fenton. Hi, Ken. Hi. Hey, I got a question about my front lawn. A couple of years ago, uh, I had a, a maple tree cut down, and, of course, the roots were in the ground. But I brought in topsoil, and I covered the roots probably two or three inches with topsoil, and I put down soysia sod, watered it real well, came back, was beautiful for about two years. Last year, uh, when it went dormant, it never did come back. It just died. Can you tell me what maybe caused that? Did you rototill the soil before you laid the sod down? Well, no, because I actually just got topsoil, threw it down, and left it loose. And then I put the sod on top of that. That won't do a darn bit of good. you got to turn the soil over, then put the topsoil on it, and mix the topsoil in with the existing soil. So basically your sod just lived on that two inches or whatever that you put down, but the penetration of the root system never got into the real ground, so that's why it died. 
but not all of it died. Only about 90% of it did. Well, there's certain things like, you know, not everybody gets, you know, curly hair. Not everybody gets this, that, or whatever it happens to be. So just the area that didn't just got lucky. Okay. So that's what my problem was. Right. Okay. Even after about two years, it would still die like that. Yeah. I mean, it can survive for two years. But then, like I said, the roots never penetrated into the ground, so there's not, uh, you know, they need to go deeper than two inches. Okay, I just figured it would go through and, you know, do what it needed to do. Yeah, Okay. No. All right, I appreciate it. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's head to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Uh, I want to plant a, a, a evergreen bush, like maybe a 12 by 15, in pots that are 24 inches uh, wide. Do I use potting soil or regular dirt? No, use potting mix, not potting soil. Or potting mix. Uh, since this bush is being grown, uh, normally they're grown in the ground. Right. I did not know which to use. No, I've, I'm actually growing, uh, I've grown evergreens, a lot of them in pots. I have one right now that I've been growing in a pot for about three or four years. So it's, I actually have it in a square one. It's probably uh, 15 inches or maybe 18 inches across by 18 inches across and about uh, uh, 12 to 14 inches deep. And it's in potting mix. Okay. Uh, my hostas are up about eight inches. Whoa. Uh, the looking great. I've got a lot of them. I want to plant some more, uh, and I bought them yesterday. Uh, is it okay to go ahead and plant, even though this week's going to be very cold? Yeah, because, I mean, they'd be outside at a nursery anyway. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, same with columbine. I can go ahead and plant that? Sure. Why not? All right. Thank you. Yeah, the columbine is a spring bloomer, so it loves this kind of weather. Let's head over to Ann's. Hi, Ann. Hello, Ann. Oh. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, let me let me turn the radio off just a minute. I, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. You there? Um, I'm trying to find out Operation Brightside. Where and when can you get bulbs from them? You order them like uh, in the summertime. You know, just contact them. They'll tell you when, you know, they'll give you the list of the ones they're having. Then they ship them to you in the fall. So do I just get online to Operation Brightside? Yeah, or give them a call. Do You, you don't have their number, do you? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Are the um, yeah, website? Yeah, it's not Operation Brightside. It's Brightside STL, Operation, or Brightside St. Louis. Just Brightside St. Louis? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I get uh, about $150 worth of bulbs uh, every year. Helps them. And uh, Fred, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How do I find a independent arborist? An independent? I don't know what independent means. Somebody that's not working for a company that cuts down trees? Uh, no idea. You okay. Know, because, I mean, right. you just have to be careful if you hire somebody that's not working for, you know, they're small companies, but an independent person, you know, just hopefully they they know what they're doing and they've got insurance and all that other stuff. That would be my concern. Oh, okay. 
Thank you. Yep, sorry. But, I mean, they've got to be fully insured if you're going to have them come in your yard and cut down a tree because if they're not, you could have a nightmare happen. Let's go to Kevin's yard. Hi, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, uh, two questions. Uh, I have a peace lily that I've always kept in the house. Can that go outside over the summer? Yes, just not. Peace lily, definitely do not put it in the sun at all. Right, right, indirect light. Right. Okay. My other question is, when I bought my house, there's a spruce in the front landscaping. And I talked to a couple of people, see how big it would get, and they all told me it was a Norway and to remove it immediately. <laughs> uh, so I did that. My wife wants to put a uh, snow fountain uh, weeping cherry. Would that, would that uh, handle that soil, that acidic soil? Yeah, it should be fine. Just don't plant it exactly on the spot where you took down the Norway spruce. Even if I remove the, the root ball and everything? Yeah, I mean, the root ball, you t- you, how'd you get those Norway spruce? You pulled the entire root system up? Yeah, I dug around it, and so they apparently planted it on top of the existing soil, and they just built soil around it. Oh, so, so it was real, real easy to dig around. I cut all the roots. I found the main. There was like a main root that was like five inches. I just cut that off, and the thing fell over. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like they put it on a berm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's not ideal to plant it right on top of that spot, even if, you know, from your description. If you can move it over a couple feet, that's what I do. If you want to try to plant it in the same spot, go for it. Okay. And then what about, somebody told me, be careful with those types of trees. They're easy to overwater. Is that true? Well, just, they don't, you know, initially you're going to get, you know, do some initial watering, but that's true with any kind of tree, to be honest. Except like, right, thank you, know, you so much. Yeah, except for like black gums and bald cypress and willows. So, yeah, you okay. should be okay. All right, wonderful. Have a happy Easter. Yep, you do the same. And Barb in Fairview Heights. Hi, Barb. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have asked you questions about my Dawn Redwood for the last three or four years. Well, probably three years. Um, I planted two in my backyard. One is just flourishing. The other one, I'm looking at it right now. There are a few green buds on it, but most of them, if I run my hand, you know, like my fingers together, the buds are dry. They're, they just come off in my hand. And I think it's time now to just say it, it's a tree that needs to come down. Yes. Um, once I do take it down, um, it, it's not a big tree. I would say it's, you know, 15, 18 feet tall. Uh, how long before I can plant another tree in that area? Because it, it it is a tree that I was hoping to get shade from. It's right in the very middle of my backyard. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of you know a little bit of time. But if you can move it to a new look, because the feeder roots, even though a tree that size still has quite a bit of feeder roots, even though it's been unhealthy that are out there that could be competitive with a new tree that you bring in. But if somebody comes in, not just, you know, gets a stump out of the ground, but also gets major part of the root system out, then you should be able to plant in that spot. But uh, why this one, why this one's not doing well, like the other one, it may have been improperly planted. It may, even though it looked healthy, you know, when you got it, it wasn't as healthy. It didn't have an adequate root system. And also with anything that you plant, make sure whoever plants it, plants it with about 20% of the root ball above the surrounding ground. 
That uh, they did. Okay. Um, um, you're probably familiar with a tree farm in O'Fallon, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Crane, and they were the ones that brought the trees out. Okay. And I've had other trees planted by them. This is the only one that I've not had success. Yeah. With. So this I've tree. Yeah, this tree had some some problems that weren't obvious. And that's probably okay. why it was dysfunctional. Okay. Uh, one additional question uh, that I do have. Got to do it quickly. We've got about 20 seconds. Okay. You mentioned Big Daddy as a hosta. Is yes. that one with large leaves? Yes, large leaves and kind of a gray-blue. Okay. That's exactly what I want. That was my next question. Thank right. you very much, and happy Easter. Certainly. Yes, thanks to everybody. Happy Easter. Enjoy it. Go bouncing around with some rabbits if you got some in your neighborhood. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.